I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your time. I really do appreciate it. Today I'm chatting to DJ Stutz and I had the honour of being on her podcast recently, which is called the Imperfect Heroes podcast, Insights into Parenting. So if you haven't heard that podcast before, you can check out my episode, which is episode 65. But I highly recommend that you you delve into that catalogue. There's some amazing conversations in there, which I'm sure you'll really love. Now, as well as having her own podcast, she also has a coaching program called the Little Hearts Academy USA. Now, DJ's an early childhood specialist with endorsements in special ed and music. Having just retired with more than 20 years of classroom experience, mostly in kindergarten and pre-K, she's also a parenting facilitator for the Clark County Las Vegas Department of Family and Youth Services, where she led classes in a wide variety of venues, including two women's prisons. Her wisdom and her insights are invaluable and I really hope you enjoy this fantastic conversation and my chance to to share the the podcasting world and the Imperfect Heroes podcast, which I absolutely loved being on. So sit back and I really hope you enjoy this conversation with DJ Stutz. Hi DJ, thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. It's always an absolute joy to talk to another podcast. So thanks very much, first of all, for speaking to me and tell us a little bit about the Imperfect Heroes podcast. Ah, well, first off, thank you for having me, Mark. I really appreciate it. The Imperfect Heroes podcast started out, um, I was already doing Little Hearts Academy, which I still have now. That's my coaching um, company where we do one-on-one and group coaching for parents. But it just came from trying to reach more people. Uh, You're kind of limited on how many people you can hit with coaching, even if you have this huge, ginormous, big company doing it, you're still quite limited. And so I really just wanted to be able to reach more people and give them some things to think about, to see, you know, to kind of chew on it for a little bit and see if that's something that will work for them and their family and help their situations a little bit. And as I got, you know, thinking about it, every parent is a hero and every parent is imperfect and there's been no record of any perfection in parenting we have you know if you're a faithful person you've got christ that you believe was perfect but even his parents were mortal on earth and made their own mistakes so really there's never been a perfect parent so we got to get rid of that (laughs) and just just say okay i screwed up i wonder why i did that and Don't beat yourself up about it, but just kind of investigate it with curiosity. Wow, I didn't mean to handle it that way. I wonder, was I hungry? Was I tired? Was I frustrated? Am I, you know, all of those things that we put on our kids. It's good for us to think about that with ourselves too. And how did that sort of come about 
in terms of, I know you've been in, in schools for sort of 20 plus years. So, so wh- mm-hmm. Why the sort of the focus on, on parenting specifically and then sort of the coaching for parenting rather than just sort of within the school setting? Well, because, you know, teachers, they have to go through all kinds of professional development. And even during the school year, there's a, at least where I teach weekly meetings where we go over uh, collecting data, interpreting data, how are we coming with our progress on the curriculum, all of those things. Um, And we are required to certain trainings we have to do every year. We're required to keep up on our education, which is what most teachers do during the summer when they're when they're uh, off. I'm using air quotes here because teachers work hard over the summer too. So um, there really isn't an academy for parents to check in and say, "Oh, how am I doing? Are there new things out? How do I, you know, engage in education? How do I engage with?" my spouse or the other parent and how do I engage with my children in a way that's best practices. And we're learning more and more about kids and how they develop and how their brains work as time goes on. And so as a parent, it's really worthwhile to try to keep up to date on all of that information. Um, And so Little Hearts Academy is an academy for parents to help them out. And the podcast is a production of the academy and I think for me there are two things that strike me there one is always the fact that I think in generations past I think we lived more generational in terms of there was Mm -hmm. a grandparent a parent you know extended family that can help you out which maybe is a lot less now with people moving around but then on the flip side of that I know lots of things that happen in families you're just sort of replicating what's happened in your childhood which if that's not a good thing that carries on that carries on as well so almost having a fresh start can can be a positive thing so I think this step of actually having sort of you know evidence-based understanding and real coaching and understanding exactly what you are doing I guess now but also how you can put in like I said this new practice and this understanding of what you want to do that has to be a big leap forward to to what's happened in the past well absolutely it is and um Two, you know, I'm old enough. <laughs> I grew up in Los Angeles and proud product of the LA Unified School District. And back, I was required just by virtue of my gender <laughs> to take, you know, child development classes, nutrition classes. I had to learn how to sew. I had to learn. And this was in a public school in Los Angeles. Um, and most of those classes are not around anymore. And I think the most important of that would be the child development and then also maybe nutrition and how to look at uh, my mom, man. She's a great cook, (laughs) an amazing cook. Not much of it was healthy. (laughs) And so, you know, um, it's and so you look at some of those generational things and uh, what we know now, what we know about sleep. Um, I've been doing some research and studies on how sleep affects our children and and ourselves and how we grow. And there's a lot of great information that's coming out about that as well. So I think that, you know, you may be a great parent, but you're not perfect. There's always something more that you can look at and attach to um, what you're doing and how you're building that relationship with your kids. And you mentioned your courses and everything that you've got going on within there. 
have, are they split mm-hmm. up into different areas? Do they sort of follow on from each other? How, how does that work? Um, yeah, so the one-on-one is just us, and that's actually open year-round. I do have the co- group coaching, and we will try to set that up by ages, you know, so that you don't have people who have newborns, children under a year with kids who are going to school, those parents, very different issues. Um, and so we do try to keep that. Sometimes it doesn't work with someone's timing. And so they'll jump into a discussion, but a lot of things are pertinent. A lot of questions are pertinent as not only as we're currently parenting, but as we're preparing to prepare and grow with our kids that they will, you know, be able to do those things. And, and in terms of the podcast, have you got any, um, favorites is not the right way to, to, to say about it but 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 some some episodes that stick out because of, of, of the stories that have been told or all the types of areas that you've covered yeah 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 actually uh is it episode three i think it's at the very beginning i did an episode with uh dr ted benyon and he is an orthodontist and we were just talking about oral care when to start, how to start it, what are the things to do. But it was amazing to me how he wove in some great parenting advice in general as he was talking about oral care. That's a really fun episode. I really like that one. Um, We just did an episode, episode 60, with Bailey Olson. She's actually my niece. We're both the oldest of seven kids, and uh, she's younger her kids are uh in i think first grade and second grade this year and uh she's a gymnastics coach she was a level 10 which level 10s are the ones that would try out to go to the olympics and she went to college on a full ride scholarship and all of this but um we just sat and talked about those crazy stories that happen when kids are growing up and and the crazy things that we did and we survived and so that one's called true crimes of an imperfect um hero but i think really it's it's and i have so many uh there's one with linda bjork that was uh, recent and she just talks about bringing your best and constantly working on bringing your best but being okay with your best that you know it's okay to make those mistakes she is amazing i really loved talking to her um, and I think finding joy in parenting, that one's a good one. And he's, he actually has songs. He's a camp director in the summer and, um, he has all of these different little things going on, but, um, that one was just, you know, finding joy in the moment and okay. So my kids are acting up aren't, you know, there are things we can do to get that out of the way like he would start singing his daughter his youngest daughter she when she learned to say the word no <laughs> and he made a song out of it and she'd start singing along and by the time that they were done with the song she was ready to move forward and do what um she needed to do but instead of it being this power struggle he just enveloped her in that joy and the experience of singing a song with him my mom would do the same thing. So I'm the oldest of seven, but five of them are boys. <laughs> and 
you know, it was an engaging household. (laughs) I remember we'd be arguing and fighting and mad at each other. And my mom would walk in and start singing this song, Love at Home, you know. And uh, it was like, there is beauty all around when there's love at home. And she would say, and we'd have to stop arguing just to look at our mom and start laughing at her <laughs> and <laughs> kind of making fun of that. And so I think that when we are able to find ways to break the ice, so to speak, to um, bring that stress level down somewhat, through whatever way, whether it's making a joke or singing a song or, you know, a tickle war, <laughs> but that you're able to bring, it brings your stress level down as well as the kids. And we know that when our stress levels are high, our parenting um, suffers. And when we are able to keep our stress levels low, even though it may be something that is frustrating but if we can try and find ways to keep our own stress levels low it it feeds into the whole family and we'll find that kids will cooperate better they will get along better they will have better self-esteem they will be able to solve problems better on their own which is really something we want them to do so um, yeah it's it's been a fun journey with the podcast and I think it's it's listening to all those different types of people and their different approaches and their their mm-hmm. take on things as well. And I think the more you hear different stories and, and the breadth of what parenting is for so many people, the more you can you can see mm-hmm. certain things which relate to you and also sort of have that sort of shared experience that, you know, it's not easy. And, you know, when the kids are first small, then, you know, it's the most joyful time in the world having children but at the same time when you're probably you know you're most tired you're you're like to say you're run ragged sometimes and and actually having a chance to feel that or to acknowledge that can be really tricky so I think when you sort of hear all those things then you start to realize it's not just me you know it is that it is it's the same for everybody yeah well in fact I even have a podcast coming out in a couple of weeks and it's about um it's called sleep baby sleep but and it's about finding the sleep for yourself, how to help your kids sleep and how important that is when they're little, man, when you're stressed and when you're over exhausted and tired, you're not at your best. <laughs> it's just how it works. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and I think it's also quite a, quite a pertinent thing in terms of, of what it's like within the education system as well. And, and I know, you know, we've talked about this before when I was a guest on, on mm-hmm. your podcast is it's that sense of, you know, you don't know what's going on in any child's life, you know, and so how they're reacting in class, and this is the same, like, say, for parents, you know, is, is something happened when they've been at their school and they've come home, is there something going on? And it's that kind of community aspect of everyone who has an input into a child's life has has something to give, but also sort of takes something out at the same time. And it's, it's all those sort of vested okay. interests that kind of create the whole. And so I think to sort of lean on some people, if you're, if you're struggling as a parent, maybe the school can help and like say vice versa, if yeah. the educator's yeah. not quite sure what's going on, having a conversation with the parent and that kind of thing, like say that sort of 360 mm-hmm. idea of, of what um, helping a child to learn and grow is all about. Absolutely, it is. I always would tell my uh, parents at the beginning of the year, I'll only believe half of what your kids tell me about what's going on at home. And, but I, I would like the same. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's just that teamwork. And if you can uh, have a, a teacher, most parents really are eager to team up with parents and, 
and to get that whole picture did they have a nightmare last night is grandma and grandpa visiting you know did you get a new puppy or did a pet die um, all of those things can play into how our kids are reacting with their own education and um, if a teacher has that knowledge of what's been going on they can respond in a more informed way that will help a child calm down and uh, get back to the work of learning yeah and i think i think it really comes into that it's a way of having a conversation one-on-one -on -one, like I say because you have that inside knowledge and uh, of, of what's going on but it might also mm -hmm. be the perfect catalyst if it's the right situation and topic and all of that kind of thing it might be a way of introducing something to the class for sharing something you know it might be something which everyone can benefit from because of course you know there mm -hmm. are, there's a class in the school community as well and and, and i think i think that like I say that honest and transparency, of course, with the right privacy and, and safeguarding and all the things right. that we're obviously aware of now, I think can be a, mm -hmm. I think that shared venture is, is something which is, is insightful, but also joyful in many ways. Very much so. Very much so. So I'm always curious, especially people who've been involved in education themselves and, and, and like now, like I say, sort of this real focus on, on parenting as well. But is there a, a teacher or a learning and education experience from when you were younger that you kind of remember that, that, that you know, has a positive impact or maybe is also then sort oh, of yeah. integral to the way that, 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 you, that you come across as an educator as well? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have, there's two teachers that really stick out in my mind and you know, it's been a year or two <laughs> since I've been in school. But my third grade teacher, Miss Sajia, um, for, she was beautiful. I remember thinking she was beautiful, but she was also just so kind. And I was a child that was generally labeled a difficult child. Uh, I had a hearing deficit that wasn't um, discovered until I was in the sixth grade. Um, I could hear loud noises. And, um, but when you're just talking to me, it just sounded muffled and, but that's all I had ever heard. I thought that's how everyone heard, you know, so for me, but, so I would think I was doing what I was told, but I didn't hear it correctly. And so I was generally this, you know, problem child. And in third grade, Miss Ajia just, she was patient with me. She made sure that I understood the task. Uh, she never made me feel stupid or naughty. Um, she was fantastic. And then in high school, I had Mrs. Tamita, and she was in um, science, but she also did homemaking. And I really loved the homemaking arts. I just thrived in them. But I also had her for biology. And she, again, was just very open to um where we were and how she could help us succeed it wasn't my way or the highway it was if you had certain phobias or different things i'm thinking of cutting up frogs <laughs> you know that they do and i was like really struggling with that and so she was kind enough to come up with a different way for me to get the information without having to slice something open and um I always, and again, and I had her for several of the homemaking classes as well, sewing and, you know, handwork, like crocheting, knitting, needlepoint, all of those. And, um, she, and she just made me feel smart and 
important and capable. I love that. And and it's something which is it's a recurring theme here on the podcast. Is it the, the conversations are different, the teachers are different, but the common thread is always the way it made you feel. Um, mm-hmm. and, and however that came across, you know, giving you a different environment to learn, um, having a conversation or doing something, but it's that human to human interaction in the way you feel that actually is the is I don't know it's the basis for everything from there and then so many people who then say and from that moment on you know not my life changed overnight but my expectations my learning my self-esteem my ability to do stuff just literally Mm -hmm. was a little bit kind of black and white because my perception of who I was and my self-worth just suddenly sort of blossomed I think I agree and so teachers have the ability to do that but parents do as well you know and so when we're looking if our kids are really interested and excited about something that isn't our bag isn't something that we even value i know with my homemaking and my dad bless his heart he was a phd in electrochemical engineering which he got from berkeley and he uh, was a professor at ucla and so Actually, when I graduated, I was the outstanding senior in homemaking arts, got the award. I was very proud of it. And he actually, I showed him the paper and he just threw it on the ground and said it was basket weaving. And he wasn't very excited that he wanted me to become a lawyer. (laughs) And and that just wasn't where my head was. And so, uh, and bless us, I'm not saying that he was a bad dad. It's just that. He didn't make that connection there. And my dad was um, like, when he passed, he was the number two authority in the world in his field. And so when you come with that kind of brain power, mm-hmm. sometimes your social skills aren't the best. And so, you know, he was probably there. But um, as a parent, you have so much to say and to encourage. And, and when children feel that support and that it may not be what you had in mind, but be proud of their accomplishments and um, encourage them in the things that they're actually good at. And that does wonders for a child. Yeah, and I think I think from a parental point of view, we know that every child is different. If you've got more than one child, you know that what works for one doesn't work for the other. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. And in the, in the classroom, that's magnified by you know 20 30 plus yeah. depending on on the size of your yeah. class and, and I think like you said that kind of I think when you're very good at something you can't quite always understand why everyone else doesn't just get it as well and I think that's a real skill yeah. of, a, of a parent and a teacher in terms of that kind of mm-hmm. the way I'm going to deliver this to one child is going to be different to another child and it might be very subtle but that's where like I say the relationship starts to come and I think with that that that, that basis yeah. for how you feel as well which uh, which I think is so important yeah well and for me it wasn't so much the kids but other teachers um because i think growing up having the experience i had of being that child you know it's like oh you know i was debbie when i was little but you know here comes debbie again you know and you feel that as a kid and i would have teachers that you know you'd see some kid walking up and it's like oh it's jimmy you know I was hoping he'd be absent today. I'm like, you can't say that. Well, I don't say it in front of him. I don't care if it's in your head. (laughs) They feel it, you know? Um, And so I was one of the teachers that um, I taught in inner city for many years. 
And I mean, I had kids that would stab one of the kindergartners <laughs> that would stab another child with a pencil because they were frustrated. And so for me, a lot of the big behaviors were not that big. It was a, just a matter of managing it and, and making that connection. I mean, even just this week, I got a call from one of my old kindergartners. She's going into fifth grade. Every year she calls me at the beginning of the school year and checks in and and sees how it go how it's going and those kind of relationships are very um, important to me but you know you can have that with your kid too you can have that with a student in fact i think if you can't develop that with your most difficult student you shouldn't be teaching yeah amazing um what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given or maybe a piece of advice you'd give your younger self now looking back with that with that experience hat on oh you know as i look back so um i'm the mother of five i've got 12 grandkids right now and um as i think on my own parenting which was very imperfect i would say calm down <laughs> i i would get so worried about this is gonna happen and that might happen and you know, or I'm being judged, or they might think my child isn't, you know, this great kid, or I worried too much about what other people might think or say. And instead of addressing, so my youngest son is severely ADHD. And, uh, you know, there were some, there's a lot of struggles that come with raising a kiddo that that's significant. It's significant with him. And, uh, and so if he's throwing a tantrum in the middle of the store, uh, at first I would be just devastated and people are watching and they're gonna think I'm a bad parent and blah, blah, blah. Instead of just concentrating on what does my son need right now at this moment. Now that I'm older, it's funny because I see another mom, a young mom with a kiddo throwing a temper tantrum in the store. And I'm just thinking, bless her heart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not thinking judgmentally. I'm just thinking, I wish I could help, you know, and that's a hard time. And so I have a brother that's a therapist and uh, he's right on when he said, when you think you know what someone else is thinking, you are generally wrong about 98% of the time. And well. so when we, yeah. So when we project, they're thinking that they're thinking this, they're doing this, you know, uh, just remember you're wrong most of, you know, almost all the time. And so quit worrying about that because you're, you're not doing it correctly anyway. And just concentrate on, I see that you're upset and uh, I never tell a child to not cry ever, ever. I just, because then it becomes a power thing. How are you physically gonna make that kid quit crying? But if you say, I see that you need to cry and I understand you're upset because we're not getting the cocoa puffs or whatever. Um, so you can cry here in the store. We can go, you can finish crying outside in the car or we can go home, which is right for you. As soon as they, I won't say as soon as they, but very frequently, very quickly, once they have permission to cry, they're going to calm down because you, you've, you, you've not accepted the power challenge. You just said, yeah, this is tough. Now, we're not getting the Cocoa Puffs. 
<laughs> you know, you stand your bound, you, you keep your boundaries, but you don't need to yell at them or get mad at them or, you know, threaten them with whatever. Um, and, but just say, yeah, it's disappointing. I know. And so you can cry here and they'll go around you. It's, you know, that's fine. <laughs> and, and, uh, or we can go outside or we can go home. And it's funny once they get to decide where they're going to cry, generally they'll stop crying. But they, I have found that vastly the majority of the time, once they have permission to cry, they stop much sooner than you engage than if you engage in a power struggle. Yeah, such great advice. Now, resources are often important to us, either professionally or, oh, yeah. or, or personally. So what's had a really big impact on your life? And it can range from anything from a book, video, song, podcast, film, any, anything you like. But has that, has that impact that you remember? Um, you know, for me, faith has been a big impact on, on how I look at things. So if, if I believe that I am a child of God, my children are child of, are children of God as well, students, neighbor kids, you know, whomever, that changes how you deal with them. So for me, that's been a big impact. The other thing is I really feel like I think uh, growing up, you know, in a home with a big family, with my own challenges that were not identified early on. And so being that kid that was felt like I was the an embarrassment to my parents that I was, you know, something was off and I didn't know what and constantly trying to please other people. I just don't want others to have to go through that. And so um, there's a book, I don't even know if it's still in print. It's called uh, Love at Home Starring Father of All Things. It's by George Durant is the author. But in that, he talked about how, you know, he had all of these great accolades and he had once, I think they had nine kids, some huge family. One of his kids went on to play just a few years in the NBA. Devin Durant with a D, not Kevin Durant. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he... Um, talked about how he was filling out a form and they wanted to know what um, what do he, does he consider his greatest accomplishments. And he said, it just came to me so quickly that I was a husband and a father and those were his greatest accomplishments. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. And so I don't care what your job is, a neurosurgeon, president of the United States, whatever, none of that will have the impact that uh, will you, you'll have as you raise your kids. If you raise your children to be decent, independent, hardworking, honest, integral, or integrity, integral, have integrity. <laughs> <laughs> um, kids, you know, that feeds out into the world and we start solving a lot more of the world's problems. I think that is so important, isn't it? And um, and I think it also, it kind of brings you home in yourself, doesn't it? Because there's a myriad of things that you're going to do when you're in your job and things happening. But I think bringing yourself yeah. back to you and how you're dealing with the immediate people around you, I think is, is incredibly important. 
Now, yeah. just, as, just as we finish off, the acronym FIRE is incredibly important here, obviously, on Education yes. on FIRE. So, and by that, of course, we mean feedback, inspiration, resilience, and empowerment. So what springs to mind when we talk about those four words? And is there anyone in, in particular you, you'd sort of spotlight? Um, I think resilience is really big right now. Um, that we have spent so much time time over the last generation being the helicopter parents, that we were solving all our kids' problems for them, you know, trying to make sure that things are fair, air quotes, um, that um, we are coming up with a generation of people who struggle with solving problems, with bouncing back, you know, oh, I've been offended. <laughs> Someone used this obscure word and it doesn't mean anything that I think it means, but I'm going to be offended by it anyway. You know, um, it's almost like a game on who can be the most offended most often, I feel like sometimes. And that is not resilience. Um, resilience is either, yeah, okay, well, um, you know, they probably didn't mean to insult me or if they did, okay, now I know who you are. So, you know, I can manage that. And who are you that your opinion means so much to me <laughs> that I'm going to let it, some stupid comment you made ruin my entire day or week or year, you know? Um, and so I think that as we really try to get back to raising children who are resilient, who can go through something and say, yeah, that was tough. And look at me now, right? Um, and are able to move forward um, into and through problems. Uh, that's going to be key. And that's something that I'm worried about our society, um, you know, meaning the Western way of life, um, becoming less proficient at and it's causing trouble. Yeah, well, I think that's a really important place for us to finish. So, DJ, thank you so much for sharing all that yeah. impact and, and, and that wisdom with us. Um, do do share where people can, can find out more about exactly all the things that you've spoken about. Yeah, yeah. So I'm on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok now under Little Hearts Academy USA. I'm also under Facebook and Instagram with Imperfect Heroes podcast, you can find me there. Uh, if you're interested in some of the coaching and the parent resources that I have, that's at www.littleheartsacademyusa.com. And you can always catch the podcast and that's Imperfect Heroes um, Insights into Parenting. But even if you just put in Imperfect Heroes, you'll find me. And we're on pretty much all of the platforms. Fantastic. Well, everyone listening here obviously is a, is a podcast fan, so I do urge you to, to go and check that out. So, DJ, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to chat to you um, yet again. And, um, yeah, wish you all the best with everything that you're doing. Thank you so much, and same to you. Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. 
Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.